Bedpost Podcast. I, of course, I'm your host, Aaron Pym. And what I like to do here on the pod is bring fun and sexy guests into the studio to have in-depth conversations surrounding sex and sexuality. Today, I'm super excited because we are debuting another Sonar Podcast, another Sonar, sonar Podcast. Er, So please welcome, without further ado, very excited to talk to this person, get to know them. Spokesperson for gay, super cute Asians, Vong. <laughs> Hey. Hi, <laughs> what up? What up? <laughs> How are you? I love that introduction so much. Oh, thank you, thank you. I'm 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 doing fabulous. I'm very very excited to be on your show and talk about sex. <laughs> Yay! Yeah. Every let me say this: every person that kind of joins the Sonar Network does not uh, want to be on my show. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I appreciate you. <laughs> Oh Lord, no! I'm I'm so open because I, I do I do a lot of um, 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 comedy on stage and like I like my last video I posted on YouTube was called Super Power Bottom. So like I I mean amazing. definitely dig into um, sexual content. Yay! Okay, great. And I love how you're just like ask me anything. Nothing is off limits. Like mm-hmm. I know, same, right? Yeah. I I just I don't feel any sort of stigma or. Um, shame surrounding talking about sex like not at all like I've you know I've I've told my friends like I, I wish I could be a better hoe like I, I try try and hoe it out as much <laughs> try as I can and try again yeah in practice I mean that's totally different there's there's for sure stigma and shame but talking yeah. about it yes. <laughs> I have no problem pretending that I'm like a sex expert over here <laughs> oh yeah um okay tell me about I, I know you have quite a large following so if by any chance people haven't heard of you already do you want to just kind of introduce your podcast and what your podcast is about um yeah so our podcast is is called rice asian movies podcast and rice actually stands for representation and and inclusion in comedy and entertainment so each episode we review an asian-led film and then um and then uh discuss a cultural topic that comes out of that film like for instance we did an episode on mortal Kombat, and then we talked about um depictions of violence in eastern versus western media oh damn i love that yeah i love that so much no it was very funny i listened to your latest episode (laughs) and one of your guests was like you were like oh should we call them a lady now and i was like oh my god is another dominatrix on the podcast right now um, and then it was like, no, like, like, like a legal lord and lady, like owns a plot of land in Ireland. It was yep. like, oh, oh, yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I was like, cool. Sex workers are on Vox podcast. We'll, we're really going to get along. <laughs> oh, that's too funny. Yeah, I never made the connection with the word lady, but that actually now that I think about it. <laughs> 
I guess those are two very different uses of that of that title. Yeah, and that's just me, like, something I go through life with. Like, anytime I see, like, someone talking about, like, CBT in a therapy context, I'm always mm. like, wait, what, what? Like, I'm reading Cock and Ball Torture? Like, like I'm, you know... <laughs> Or, or even people like talking about Star Wars and using the abbreviation SW. I always read it and think and read sex worker. And I'm like, mm. what am I? What is this tweet? And then I'm like, oh, no, no, oh Star Wars. <laughs> the, uh, Star, like, it's always a bit of an adjustment that happens. Oh, too funny. Too funny. I live in a bubble. What can I say? Do you ever <laughs> um, talk about like sexy movies? Like, have you had like some sexy uh, conversations around Asian movies on your pod? We, the closest so far, so definitely not a great example, but the closest so far was a documentary about, um, about comfort women. Um, mm, who were, interesting. Yeah. And it was sort of this journey of how, um, of how, of how, um, uh, like d- different, different comfort women from, um, from, um, from South Korea wanted recognition from the Japanese government for like war atrocities and sort of um, forced sexual labor. Mm. And so, yeah, that was a fascinating documentary. It was by Tiffany Shung, who, you know, has a new documentary out um, called Sing Me a Lullaby that is totally blowing up um, everywhere. It was on New York Times and, and such. So I would say that was the closest. So um, the associated topic of that uh, of that episode was actually um, um, the um, the perception of sex work within the Asian community. Hooray! So sort of, yeah. Love that as a topic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, you know, the it's kind of funny because between different Asian countries, it's it's so different because so I was born in Thailand. So my I'm, I'm culturally Laos, but it's very similar to Thailand. I was born in Thailand. I have a lot of family there. And in Thailand, definitely, you know, the the the. Um, you know, there's a culture of what's called lady boys, and it's just it's more you know sex work and trans sex work mm-hmm. is largely um, fully accepted as a part of society. There, I'm not saying they don't have to deal with stigma or anything, but it's it's generally you know a, a, a quote unquote normal part of society there. Mm-hmm. Whereas you know, there's more conservative Asian countries where sex work is viewed very differently, where you know. For a movie to get, you know, an X rating, if you show two people holding hands on a bed, um, that's considered an X rating. Wow, wow. And, like, I know, you know, just to bring it back to, like, a personal um, story, too. So this is even about, um, like, so, like, with, with my sister, when she was 16, she was forced to get married um, because she was seen on the street holding hands with somebody. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So, like, the idea, and I know that's not particularly about sex work, but like just the different views of sex and sexuality and how it's tied and this idea of being proper and all that stuff, it ranges so, so much between Asian countries. It's pretty wild. Wow. That's so interesting. Do you, what was your like personal story surrounding, or, like, as an adolescent growing up, like growing up gay, maybe, perhaps? So growing up gay, so I didn't lose my virginity until like first year of college. You lost it? Um, Did you refine it? Did you ever find it? <laughs> um, the lost and found. I've I've never looked. Oh. I'm I'm sort of happy happy to have lost oh, it. It's probably gone now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm sure it's it's probably still in my childhood bedroom somewhere <laughs> hiding. 
<laughs> hiding in that closet that I could not uh, get out of for 13 years. I mean, for uh, for 20 years. Um, but yeah, so uh, I came. Um, I actually had a boyfriend when I was in um, when I was in high school, but he was in the closet, and I was actually ready to come out. But he was worried that if I came out, people would know he was gay because we're always around each other. Right. Like, right. long story short, he was like the gayest person. People have known he was gay since grade seven, so it was like really crazy. <laughs> um, but like, okay, uh, sure, I'll You're like keep sure, whatever. I'll, yeah, <laughs> yeah. For you, I'll keep it so that nobody will think you're gay, even though. Basically, everybody knows you're gay. But then um, in in university, when we when we broke up, um, you know, I was sort of liberated. And, you know, I explored my sexuality, um, let's say, as much as humanly possible. <laughs> let's just say that. Where did you go to university? <laughs> so I went to – I actually went to two universities. I went to the University of Manitoba first, and then okay. I went to the University of Calgary. And it was definitely very different. Winnipeg is a – a very diverse city, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but I found um, it, it was kind of funny because my first—I would say my first three boyfriends were farmers. Um, <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and when I was when I was telling the, 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 this this story in in Toronto. Um, People were telling me I needed to add context because, like, in Winnipeg, it makes sense because so back then I, I didn't, like, you know, drink or do drugs or I, I didn't even drink Pepsi, for goodness sake. I didn't even drink pop. So I was, like, <laughs> caffeine I was, was very clean much, yeah. cut. Yeah, and so, like, the only people I knew in the gay community who were like that were farmers because around Winnipeg, there's a lot of Mennonite farmers. And so um, okay, that ended up okay, like my first three boyfriends because I couldn't find other gay people, not to stereotype, but, like, literally in that university, all the gay people who also didn't drink um, <laughs> were just happened to be Mennonite. So, yeah, that was my first three boyfriends. <laughs> <laughs> Such a funny um, nuance. That's so funny. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, go on. <laughs> yeah, and just just a just a random thing. I don't know how much I can like veer off of like the sex part because it's sort of like related. But like, um, two two of those farmers, actually, my first two boyfriends ended up like turning straight and marrying women. So I don't know what I, what I did wrong in in the bedroom, but uh, you know, yeah, um, I met partners go gay. Yeah, yeah. You're, you you're always left wondering, you know. <laughs> Yeah, like was I? That? I, was, I was like, especially because it was the first two. I was like, mm-hmm. you know, I was very happy when the third one, um, you know, stayed Didn't. gay and married a, a man. <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay, it's not me. <laughs> breathe a sigh of relief. It's three um, times in a row that, like, yeah, that's some serious pattern there developing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and then when I moved to Calgary, you know, it was very, very different. Um, Calgary is much more, you know, it's, as you know, it's like the Texas of Canada. Yeah. A lot of oil, a lot of cowboys. But the mentality is very much, you know, not the standard Canadian um, idea of a mosaic. It's very much like the melting pot, you know, Mm. everybody's the same kind of thing, like, you know. So Calgary was a very different, um, different experience because I was more like, you know, in the gay community, there's, there's the, there's white men who only date Asians. They're, they're, they're called rice queens. And it's like this whole like idea of being objectified in a certain way. as I'm sure, you know, as, 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 as a woman, it's like, and a sex worker. you're, yeah. yeah and, and a sex worker, it's like, for me, it was, it was just so different. Like when I was dating, 
in Winnipeg, I felt like a person. <laughs> I was dating in Calgary. You just feel like this disposable, you know, it's Fetish more dispenser. about. Yes. Yeah. So I'm familiar. You know, and... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, and and don't get me wrong, I'm I have you know fetishes of my own and everything. But mm-hmm. on so for the hookup side, it was cool. But for the dating side, it was like, oh, will I find somebody who views me as like a person? Yeah. <laughs> was novel idea, novel concept. Up. Yeah, <laughs> like what is wrong with some people? Yeah, I don't know why why people think fetishization is is okay. Like like the fact that. Like fetishizing someone and supporting and lifting someone and loving someone is like they're totally, totally, totally different things. Or being an ally, you know, different from yeah. fetishizing someone. Yeah, it's really crazy because you know, obviously, you, you, there's that old stereotype of you know white guys marrying like Asian women, and right. you know, a lot of them are, are still quite racist. But the thing is, they always say, "Well, you know, I can't be racist because I'm married to an Asian." And the thing I always say is like that's like that's like a misogynist saying they can't be like you know anti-female because they like date women like that's crazy like obviously yeah. you can <laughs> still be um, you know racist if you're dating an Asian especially if you don't see them as a real person. Yeah, you can you can fuck somebody and um, you know not be an ally, not be supporting them. Like and yeah, and and being in relationships too. Yeah tokenizing yeah, absolutely yep mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff yeah well, i'm sorry uh, i'm sorry to hear that you had um those experiences uh i i lived near calgary i lived in Ca- uh, canmore for um like eight months doing doing an like a weird mm. a weird music theater contract <laughs> <laughs> mm. but yeah i actually love that city um mountains and whatnot but yeah going to calgary was an experience it was an experience Mm. exactly like you said like kind of like the canadian texas like just felt very white yeah it it definitely it was definitely very white um (laughs) you know it's funny like i remember I so I went on this date as far as like um being 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 tokenized. I, I went on this date when I was in in Calgary, um and it immediately let me know that like things were different. <laughs> um and, you know like at that time I was I was a little bit heavier and sort of struggling with my weight and so you know this this guy he hit on me so you know we just ended up at, at his place because you know I was you know basically having lots of lots of sex at the time and because um, <laughs> why not so really yeah yeah it was there because yeah, why you know. not yeah and so we're over at his place and i i like walk in the door and he has like all these statues and paintings of buddha and i'm like oh no he's only one of one of these guys and then but i'm like you know what he's like pretty hot and i'm like pretty desperate that day because i was like you know i hadn't had any in a while so i was like you know what usually i wouldn't but whatever, um, yeah. you know, fine, you know, tokenizing, fetishizing me today, whatever. So we're on, uh, we're on his couch and we're making out and he turns to me and he's like, Fong, you're so hot. And I was like, oh, thank you. And he was like, yeah, I'm really into chunky Asians. Oh. So he did have a fetish on me, but it wasn't what what, what I thought. He was uh, trying to chub chase me. But um, then I, I get ready he didn't, to He leave. didn't use the word chunky. How could he possibly think that was complimentary? Like fetishization aside, to the word chunky? How dare you? It is burned in my brain. I bet. I fucking bet. <laughs> the, 
the two words back to back of you know yeah, yeah I'm really into chunky Asians Jesus and I was Christ. like <laughs> yeah I was like oh my god so obviously I I leave. But then, you know, it's even worse. On the way out, I got a closer look at, like, his statues and paintings. Mm-hmm. And then I realized, like, oh, my God, like, that's not even Buddha. Like, these are just drawings of random fat <laughs> Asians. <laughs> I was like. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and that <laughs> that date really, I was like, okay, I'm going to hold. I might be in the same country, but I'm in a whole different world. This is. This does oh not feel God. like Canada. Yeah. So yeah, the tokenization is real. <laughs> <laughs> and just to be so open about it, just to have like paintings all over your apartment and stuff. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess good that he wasn't trying to hide it, but like, <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. Yeah, you know, I'll give him credit. He knows what he was into. <laughs> he knows what he wants. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say that, you know. Jeez, yeah. <laughs> oh. Um, oh, my God. But, um, okay, if we had to, like, fast forward to, like, what your life looks like, maybe not during COVID, because, I mean, all of our life oh, looks yeah. the same. We're not doing shit all. But, like, oh. in general, recently, kind of what does your dating life look like? What kind of a dater are you? So, okay, so, you know, I'll take it back to when I first moved to Toronto. Great. And it's really weird. So the first seven years of me being out, I had, like, back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back boyfriends. So I wasn't single for seven straight years, just jumped from one person to to another. Serial Um, monogamist type situation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then, and I find when I'm in a relationship, I'm actually quite horny, like, all the time. (laughs) But when I'm single, I actually, like, for the first, at least the first two years I moved to Toronto, I was celibate. Like, but not totally on purpose, but I was, like, focused on work and everything. So mm-hmm. it's just, this is where, you know, like, it, like I said earlier, like, I wish I was a better hoe. It's just, I, you know, it's just, like, I overthink it sometimes because, you know, I moved to Toronto. I was focusing on work, yep. you know. Back then, you know, it hadn't become public yet, but, you know, there were mumblings in the gay community that there was, like, a serial killer going after, like, Mm. gay Asians. So I was like, I was like, I don't know, I'm new to this city. Like, do I want to get, like, serial killed by, like, you know, random hookups? I don't know what's going on. Um, And so, you know, so so actually my, you know, I, I wish I was much more active, but it's just... I don't know. I think even now that it became public that we had that serial killer, I think a lot of people are still like scared. Like, you know, like like even before COVID, it's like, you know, we we had somebody going around killing and specifically targeting. Now they're targeting more like like South Asians. But back then we didn't know. We just knew like there were like a bunch of Asians missing. So, you know, so there there's that. And then (laughs) I been just a a serial killer, (laughs) racist serial killer. Yeah, yeah. No worries. Yeah. Yep. Um, so then I started. I started dating, um, and it was you know I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna out myself here because I thought you know I was like you know I'm gonna be so open to new things you know I'm not gonna be ageist I'm not gonna be you know like whatever I'm just gonna open myself up because all my previous boyfriends had been within like one or two years of my age. Okay. Um, so I was like you know I was like I'm in my thirties. Let's just 
see what's out there. And I thought I was being really open-minded, but then like my friends started to see like this trend of me like dating either really old people or people who are like basically like, you know, I don't want to say half dead, but basically half dead, like having like very serious diseases. <laughs> and at first, you know, like my friends would say something, and I was like, I was like, I was like, you know, you need to check yourself, like you know, don't be HIV doesn't. Yeah. I was like, you know, there you shouldn't have the same stigma with like people who have like different diseases or illnesses. You know, like as a community, we need to move past you know the AIDS stigma, mm-hmm, and they're mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. they're like, okay activist Wong they're like um we see a pattern here but it's not a pattern of acceptance <laughs> they're like we see a pattern of you are afraid of commitment so you're dating like half dead people oh who... my god because <laughs> oh, no. because they're like you know what aids would be one thing but they're like that one guy had like aids cancer and crohn's disease they're like you're oh, trying to go god. for like some <laughs> and they're like listen we're not accusing you of being like some type of like gold digger they're like we actually think <laughs> fortune oh my god oh my yeah, god they were like we i'm taking just my, my think... glasses have come off yeah they were like you know we just think you're afraid of commitment and maybe you know there's there's one thing needs to be said about being open to people who have illness and there's another thing to like just literally finding people who are half dead oh um god. so I really had to uh, so take what was a step go- back. What was going on for you? I'm curious your side of that. Like, what was your experience with that? Like, what did you feel like there was some sort of truth to that? Like, maybe, like, I... let's talk about maybe, like, the, the lack of commitment thing rather than, like, the really dark shit. Um, <laughs> did you I see think... any truth in what they were saying to you? You know, once they said it, I couldn't deny it. Like, I I didn't know what was going on. And I'm very lucky to have what I call, like, my, my um, I call them my um, my uh, keeping it real friends. Yeah, and yeah. they definitely kept it real. And when they said it, honestly, Aaron, I was just like, wow. They're 100% right. They're 100% right. Because... So prior to the, prior to that, what had happened was so my last boyfriend in Calgary, I had told him that you know, I I was gonna move in a year because Calgary wasn't gonna be like you know where I was gonna end up forever. Mm-hmm. And so when we started dating, I gave him like the full disclaimer. I was like, you know what, we can have fun, but just so you know, I'm moving. You know, I I can't make a commitment stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then. Like, before I moved, he, like, act- he tried to propose oh. uh, um, in a very public way. I was, I was, um, yeah, I was opening for Lily Tomlin at the, um, at the, at the Out Games, um, nice. which is sort of like the, the, the Gay Olympics. Um, and it was in front of, like, 3,000 people. And he had tried to, like, um, come on stage to propose to me like in the middle of my set which is like oh my god yeah and as a performer like it's 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 like not sweet to do that because like this is like my career like I I don't want to be proposed to in like my place of work <laughs> you know what I mean no. and luckily this the the stage manager who knows me very well and knows that I 
like regardless of who that I'm not going to say yes to a proposal, like honestly, like tackled him on the way on the way to to the stage and then (laughs) told me about it later. And so sort of what that made me feel was like, you know, no matter how many disclaimers um, I give somebody that I want to focus on my career and my relationship is secondary at least for this point in my life because you know as as an entertainer there's you know it's 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 hard to say this but you know like with films and hollywood and stuff there's like a ticking time clock on as you get older yeah and so like i was like you know this is my time i have to really focus on this and these are my hustle years yeah and i would even tell people literally on the first date i would tell them i was like you know what if i get a call to you know go film something in new york or la like i'm gone for like maybe six months and like it's not going to be a discussion i'll tell you when it happens but it could also be in very short notice as well Mm -hmm. and so you know so I, i always told people this and i told this guy this that you know what like relationships are secondary to me, which is a hard thing to tell somebody because people always want to feel like they're number one in your life. But I was like, oh, maybe I can still have relationships if I'm just really open about it. Yeah. But no, what happens is people, if they hear you, but they hope that you don't actually mean it. Yeah. Yeah. And they think it'll change. They think they can change it maybe. Yeah. And you know what, Aaron, I'm very graphic in the first, like I'm I'm even over the top with how I explain it on the first date. Like this is a first date conversation. I'll literally be Good like for you. I'm like, if you end up with a terminal illness, I will leave you because my career is first. I was like, this wow. is how I need you to know you are secondary <laughs> to my career. It's and how can it'll I make like this that. any more clear? <laughs> yeah. If you are dying, I will not be here. <laughs> yeah, so it's sort of like I love how that yeah. totally did a 180 or, or for you <laughs> later on. But yeah, at that point. Yeah. So then, you know, none of that worked. And then I, so then I, I didn't date anybody. So then by the time I started dating people who were terminally ill, I didn't realize that I had sort of internalized this idea of like, I was so afraid of commitment, not just for myself, but for hurting people. Cause that guy was so hurt when I left Calgary, even though I told him, even though I had worn him for a year, he was so crushed. And I guess I internalized. I was like, I just don't want to do that to another person. So I guess I was just dating people who I didn't have to worry about that. Yeah, it it was like right from the get go. It was a short term situation. No matter what happened. Yeah. No matter what conversations we had, how much information you front loaded as to what this can look like. It had mm-hmm. no question, no choice than to be a short-term situation, which is what you yep. wanted. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just subconscious. I wish I had been more conscious of it. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, when it was pointed out, I was just like, this is, wow. I I really needed to hear that, so thank you. Cause... <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Let's take a moment to talk about our lovely sponsors, shall we? First of all, Oasis Aqua Lounge is a water-themed sex club located right here in Toronto at 231 Mutual Street. Oasis is inclusive of all genders and orientations and is shame-free when it comes to pleasure and play. Check them out at their website, oasisaqualounge.com. 
Unicorn Collaborators is the local leather business of two queer unicorns. They specialize in luxurious and colorful harnesses for all body types, and even craft non-conventional ones for your thigh, fist, or foot. Check them out at their Etsy shop under Unicorn Collaborators. Lovecrafters Toys is a non-gendered fantasy sex toy line that makes weird and wonderful dildos in the shape of tentacles, unicorn horns, mermaid tails, and more. Their high-quality silicone is hand-poured right here in Toronto. Check out their Etsy shop at Lovecrafters Toys. ComeAsYouAre.com is a trans-owned, trans-operated sex shop that also happens to be feminist and anti-capitalist. They carry only the best sex toys and want to give you the best price possible. Next time, use the coupon code BEDPOST, that's B-E-D-P-O-S-T, when checking out at ComeAsYouAre.com. So how are you doing during COVID? What's up? What's going on with you as far as like sex and dating? Sex and dating. So I live with my boyfriend. Okay, um, great. And we are during COVID. We passed our five year anniversary. Um, and we've been living together for the last three years. And um, you know, so obviously at a certain point, I got over my my commitment, uh, my commitment <laughs> issues. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's it, it's it's interesting, and you know, I think I'll, I, you know. I always worry about talking, but I, I feel like anybody who's in my life knows that uh, as as an artist, um, that everything is is open um, when I'm on interviews and, and such. So, yeah. So, you know, some of what I, I'm going to say, probably my partner won't be super happy with me, but it, it is the truth. And he he knows he knows who, who he's dating. So that's, um, <laughs> he signed up for it. Let's, yeah. I have a sex and sexuality podcast. Yeah. If you are a sexual partner of mine. <laughs> Unless you explicitly tell me, do not talk about whatever publicly mm. or on your pod, then I won't. But so, with, so my sex life with my current partner is interesting. So, you know, I think maybe because I'm so celibate when I'm single that I then go way overboard when I'm in a relationship. Like literally, if if it were up to me, I would start the day with sex and I would end the day with sex. Love that. Um, and if we had sex in the middle of the date, that'd be cool too. But like, definitely <laughs> to begin and end would be great, and especially to end because you know I'll I'll keep it real. Like I, you know, sometimes I have trouble tr- trouble sleeping, and I, you know, I usually masturbate to to go to bed. So you know, it'd be better to either masturbate or obviously I'd rather just have sex. So sex in the morning, <laughs> sex at night, um, sex in the afternoon. That'd be that'd be my thing, and. <laughs> Um, you know, he's not quite, um, there. Um, <laughs> and quite, not quite wanting that frequency. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I, I totally get it. Um, but, you know, I would say, I would say the hardest thing with me and my current boyfriend is he's very good with like, um, you know, with telling me what he doesn't like, mm-hmm. but not so good with like the positive feedback so mm-hmm. i compare mm-hmm. it to like having sex with my boyfriend is like, like do you remember that old board game from the 80s is called operation of course you know and then <laughs> you would like touch the wrong part and then it would be like yeah that's sort of <laughs> so i think over the course of five years i've kind of stumbled onto what he likes but it wasn't easy because 
he, you know, like verbally talking about sex is not something he grew up with. Yeah, like a lot of us didn't. Yeah, and so I, you know, that wasn't really an option. <laughs> um, so <laughs> it was more exploration and, you know, I trial think, and error. you know, trial and error. And, you know, that that's like, and I think trial and error is great as well, but it's like, it was more like the error that, that I got the feedback. Like, it wasn't like, um, like, usually when you do something positive, there's at least some type of, like, Response. reinforcement of, like, yeah, keep doing that. But, like, I was really only getting the other thing. So I was just like, how do I? It honestly felt like I was going back to operation. I was like, this is, mm-hmm. it's like, this is, it is, yeah, I don't know. So, you know, like I said, over five years, I think we've we've, like, slowly overcome it. But I do feel like he knows much better how to pleasure me than the reverse. And there is some guilt involved in that. And I'm like, I Mm -hmm, wish I could mm -hmm. do better, but I, there's no verbal communication really. And I, yeah, I have partners like that too, that they just don't like, for me, I'm a person that talks about sex, like all the fucking time. Like not only am Mm. I the sex podcaster, but like I do it for my job as well. Like I'm a sex worker. I'm a sex educator. Mm. So like, it's fucking difficult when, and and I'm not, and I mean, I'm not kidding myself. I'm not the perfect communicator surrounding sex and sexuality either. Like, I have my mm. fucking faults. But it can be really fucking difficult to kind of navigate somebody who just does not want to talk. Like, I have a partner like that who just yeah. doesn't like talking about sex, doesn't want to. They completely seize up when mm-hmm. you try to get a conversation going about it. But what I do like about your partner is at, at the very least, I mean, that that is the, you know, that is the super important um, part of the conversation to have, telling the limits and boundaries. Some people can't even mm-hmm. communicate that much. So that I, I'm really happy to hear that they are doing that. But yeah, it can be difficult when you're not getting, when you're getting the... Um, the error part of it, you know, yeah. <laughs> without getting like the positive reinforcement or the positive reactions or the good communication as well. It can feel like disheartening, you know, it's like, oh, well, I, can I do yeah. anything right? You know? Yeah. Like even with that operation game, sometimes you win and like his nose turns green and you're like, yay. I was like, well, when is, when is your nose going to turn green? <laughs> when am I going to get that? Yeah. That signal, <laughs> that green light, literally that green light, you know? Yeah. So, you know, I, yeah. So that's sort it's of. It's a process. Trust the process. Yeah. yeah. So that's my current situation on the, on the, on the sex part. I think, you know, like we've had discussions to just because our sexual drives are so different. Yeah. You know, obviously we've had like the conversation on like, you know, the openness of our relationship and different things like that. You know, obviously with um in in the gay community it's quite common. I, I feel like in in regular society it's becoming more common and even more so cuz he went to um university in Mont- in Montreal mm-hmm. and um I would say the Montreal gays I know like it's not even just uncommon it's like common practice like yeah it's basically more common it's the default it's yeah yes yeah it's the default so you know we've had that we've had that discussion um basically because you know i'm like an insatiable sex maniac um (laughs) and so um you know and i get it that's a lot of pressure how many not a lot of people want to have sex three times a day so i'm like i get it i don't want to put that pressure um on my partner so you know let's let let's talk about it 
even with partners that I feel like we do have a matched sex drive, like they're also wanting to have a lot of sex. Even then I second guess whether they really want to though, or they feel Mm. pressure to like, even when we are well matched, I still feel those feelings of like, Oh, I feel like I'm pressuring them. And then, you know, Mm. that must be a lot of pressure for the partner. Even then I'm second guessing it. So I can, so I understand also being in unmatched relationships, how that can be like, Oh, you know, yeah, and I worry too that I'm projecting some of my own issues onto him from previous relationships, which you know I guess we we all do uh, to a yeah. certain extent. Yeah. But like on on the sexual part, like I would like it's sort of two in a row now, where it is sort of the same thing, where the sex drive is very different, and um, also you know like very similarly, the communication is more just on what what the boundaries are and not like a lot of communication on, on what's working. Yeah. Um, and so with, with the last boyfriend, um, I got like this huge complex about it because after we broke up a lot of things that he said he didn't like doing, cause he, and I'll be open about it because we're, we're still very close friends now. So he's, he's told me about it. And mm-hmm. um, this one time he, he told me about it. And I, I was, I tried not to be hurt. Cause I was like, you know what? We're friends now. We're not, we're not dating. So, so do whatever. But it was like, you know, when he said he didn't want to do things, you know, finding out later that he does do those things with his new boyfriend is like, oh, what you meant was you didn't want to do them with me. With me. Yeah, been there. So yeah. with my new boyfriend, I'm like, you know, and especially when you don't get the positive feedback, I'm like, is it really that, you know, you don't like these things or is that you don't like them with me? And I'm like, I'm yeah. trying not to project that because that's from my last relationship and he hasn't shown anything for me to believe that's what's happening here. But, you know, it's obviously in my brain. Yeah, it's a trauma that you've experienced, right? And that you carry with you. Like this mm-hmm. this type of a situation is like literally triggering you to think that. And I mean, I've been there too. Like I've had old partners mm-hmm. that have you know i think the longer if it's a monogamous relationship certainly the longer it goes on i mean this happens in polyam too you know you Mm. kind of the sex kind of falls off over the years you know what i mean like it gets less frequent Mm. and you know stuff like that so i feel like often for me relationships that are longer like that they end up being very resentful towards me and like they Mm. think i've like i've had feedback that they're like, oh, I seem desperate. I seem, oh. and that like, it's gross that I want to, mm. you know, stuff like that. And like, oh my God, have those words stuck with me? So wow. yeah. So like going forward in my relationships, like, you know, I have two different therapists. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> you know, I, I work on it, but like, it's, um, that shit affects you. And, yeah. you know, as much as you, I, I, it's good to hear that you're self-aware about it. I mean, I think that's definitely the first step in kind of tackling what was going on with you surrounding that situation. But it's hard. I'm just, I'm just saying it's hard, I guess. And we all have little traumas like that that we carry forward and dictate our shitty behavior. <laughs> like, I'm just talking yeah. from personal experience. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'd say that was one thing I'm really lucky that my parents like really instilled in me and also culturally as well as like, the idea of like understanding yourself and meditating and just really like like reflecting on your thoughts mm-hmm. and always like talking and letting out and working through 
what's going in your brain and even acknowledging it doesn't mean like it's going to be fixed, but it's sort of definitely more helpful than not knowing what's going on or at least not exploring what's going on. Yeah. And it's a really good step. And honestly, it can be all, it can be the only step you need for a lot of people. Like Mm -hmm. I do a lot of, um, I'm into like wellness domination. So I do a lot of like behavior Mm -hmm. modification, like, so habits, you know, habits that people don't want to do anymore, essentially, you're trying to curb their habits and stuff like that. Yeah. So often the first, like the first step we do is develop a baseline for whatever behavior that they want to Mm -hmm. discontinue. So we, we chart it. Right. And I usually let them go about a month uh, just with giving them that homework. I'm like, chart what you're doing currently. And often just when bringing when they bring their own attention to it, that already makes it a lot better. Like usually the behavior is like down by half after the first month. And literally we haven't even put a strategy in place other than you need to clock when this behavior is happening and write it down for Mm. me. You know what I mean? So. I mean, that it's a big step to be self-aware. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, it, yeah, I'm, I'm very lucky that I was, uh, that, that was ingrained in me. Yeah, my parents were probably the opposite. They're like, just let's not <laughs> no. talk. Let's just not, just, shh, 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 no, shh, shh, let's not, no. We'll do this, but don't tell your dad. It was a lot of, a lot of that, like... <laughs> I was kind of wondering, and I know this is this is your interview, so I shouldn't be asking uh, the, the the questions. But I, I was wondering what um, like what what effect the pandemic has had on your you know on your work and your Lord, yeah, yeah, because I I can't imagine um what's what's happening. Yeah, it's um well, I've had to pivot completely to online and remote and virtual stuff, right? So, mm. like I worked 5 days in the last year. Like there was a window where I started and then mm. had to stop again doing in-person sessions. So, before pandemic, it was mm. all in person and now it's all online. So, I've pretty successfully pivoted, I'd like to say, mm. um and developed a lot of like ongoing like regular, you know, clients and patrons and whatnot and very grateful and lucky for that, but goddamn is it a totally different job than mm-hmm. what I was do- like completely different. Like and and a job that I'm so less motivated by and passionate <laughs> about. Like I can't even tell you. It's all admin. It's all just like I fucking I, I I'm so over it. <laughs> you have no idea. Like I'm gonna do it because I need money and because you know I'm grateful and I it's work and I'm taking it. But Lord, is it so emotionally laborious and just I have terrible boundaries surrounding it. Like I just mm. it's 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 very stressful. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, I'm like I I'm imagine. I want to get that vax like. Get me back in that dungeon because, <laughs> oh, God, this is, like, not what I signed up for, you know? Yeah, it's funny. I was looking at that list of postal codes, and I'm, like, one letter away. Like, they had, like, M5A, and I'm, like, M5B or whatever. I'm, like, oh, so close, so close for my like a lottery. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, well, I had um, – I'm apparently in one of the hotspots and oh. um, there was, I mean, in the, there's a clinic near me that um, they start taking appointments at 7 p.m. every Thursday. So mm. last night, um, at th- uh, last night, which was Thursday, at 7 p.m. I go on, I finish my form uh, f- in four seconds. I go right mm. on at seven. I finish my form in four seconds and they're all full. Like, oh. why? 
do I even try? Like, why even bother? Like, it's such a shit show. Like, I, I try to remain. <laughs> I honestly, I'm trying to remain op- optimistic about that. This, my husband thinks that you know, we'll we'll all most of us will get a vaccine in like a month's time. I have a really hard time even believing that though. Mm-hmm. It's just, it just feels so fucking hopeless, hopeless and like just so deflated about it. Like it's so bad. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, it's, I don't know. It, it's sort of interesting. Like, cause I'm just trying to think of like the vaccine and how that would affect like, you know, like the gay hookup scene, perhaps right. like, you know, do you ask each other if you've been vaccinated is mm-hmm, will mm-hmm. be will you actually believe each other any no matter That's what you say thing. yeah it's it'll be interesting because you know I, I do see like the gay hookup apps are starting to like get going again yeah and you know I don't know it'd be hard for me to like trust somebody based on what they say but at least if I'm vaccinated then you know the symptoms are much less harsh even if you do catch it but then it's still dangerous and you know I have and a boyfriend yeah yeah and it's it's just it's you know, hope, hopefully we can all get back to more, uh, more, uh, let's say, uh, intimate settings. But, oh, fuck. oh, Lord, I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting, though, this conversation surrounding, like, oh, who are you exposed to? You know, who, who, um, like, do you have immunocompromised people, like, that you're mm-hmm. in contact with? Like, all this conversation of, like, you know, have you been vaccinated? But, but, but it's, like, very similar to, like, the conversation that should be happening usually doesn't probably in hookup culture, Mm. like surrounding STIs and whatnot. Right. It's Mm. like, you know, Oh, when's the last time you, you know, got a test done, go, you know, and what were the the results and who are your current partners and what are their results? You know what I mean? Like it's the same conversations that ideally we should have been happening this whole time. (laughs) And hopefully moving forward, it will destigmatize both of these conversations surrounding COVID and STI stuff. That's my hope. Yeah, you know, yeah, hopefully some good things come out of it. Like, I think people are saying that maybe the things we've learned will help with future flu seasons. People will be there more There you go, aware. that too. Um, you know, like, uh, and, you know, and, and, and I do think sometimes it's a little bit confusing with the medical advice. And let's just say I'm a very science-based person. I love mm-hmm. I love and trust all the medical doctors and everything they say. I'm not an anti-vaxxer or anything crazy like that. So I want to put that out first. But sometimes their advice is just not practical. Like I remember when Dr. Teresa Tam came out and she was like, if you're going to hook up, you know, make sure you're wearing masks. And I'm like, There's, like, no, no that. I'm no not going to. I was like, I'm not going to wear a surgical mask while I'm hooking up. I don't, I was like, this is not practical. Like I I honestly want to follow their advice, but sometimes I'm just like, what world (laughs) world are you living in? Yeah. Where are you living in? Yeah. And that's the thing that like a lot of these, I'm the same way with you. Like I'm like, yes, tell me all the medical advice in the world, like from the professionals, I'm going to try and do it as best I can. But yeah, a lot of it is unrealistic. Like it's talking about people, you know, who are not living alone, perhaps, and haven't had any physical touch for like a full year now. Like, mm-hmm. there are a lot of people like that. And it's kind of impossible to say that you can't, you know, at one point, you couldn't, like, get together with any other household, have contact. It's like, me having a husband and living with him part time. It's like, 
I can't, I've really learned, I think, over this time to like not judge what other people are doing surrounding COVID because I don't know their situation. If I mm-hmm. lived alone and I literally had not had contact with anyone, you know, mm-hmm. for months, 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 and then now a year, over a year, like I would hope to hell no one would judge me for trying to hook up with someone as safe mm-hmm. as I could, you know, like while trying to manage my own risk, their own risk, and, like, other people that I might endanger, possibly. Like, you can't judge people. You really can't. Absolutely. Absolutely. Although, you know what? I feel like if I did hook up with somebody with a mask, I think if if we uploaded that to, like, Pornhub, I feel like it would, like, (laughs) go viral. (laughs) Yeah. Someone's into it. Oh, definitely. Yes. I I feel like, yeah, you're right. Probably somebody already has done it after after the medical community gave that advice. Yeah, trust me, they have. (laughs) I would would love to see that. Actually, you know, after this interview, I'm probably going to go Look that up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You'll find it. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. A lot of people like <laughs> took a really like not precious approach to this whole pandemic and just started creating content surrounding it. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty funny. I mean, even I've done some custom clips surrounding. Like I've I've worked in like like it's not a timeless piece. It's a very like during COVID times. <laughs> <laughs> I like how I say peace, like it's artistic, like this JOI video, this custom JOI that I do. Um, <laughs> peace. <laughs> it's so true, though. It's like, I think after this year, like some of us have developed some fetishes for like maybe latex gloves, maybe med fet, maybe masks, <laughs> anonymity, kind of hood type things, or what? or we're never going to be interested in those things again. <laughs> you know? Yeah, one of the yeah. other. I also think too, like a really good, um, a really good consequence of this too is I think that um, you know the the default of human interaction will have a bit more consent built in. I hope like, so too. You know, because like you know, like I've, I've had friends who are like 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 survivors of, of sexual violence and like you know living in a world and especially in, in a gay world that is very touchy feely. Um, you know, I feel like after this, people hopefully will you know maintain a bit of those bands. But obviously, right now it's so impersonal and zero contact. And before it was super touchy feely, at least in the gay community. Yep. So hopefully we can get in the middle because you know I don't want like the. Hopefully I don't want like this super sterile, you know, environment. You know, yeah, Dating. two meters apart world. <laughs> you know, that might be a little bit too much, but you know, I do think if it comes in the middle, if it doesn't go all the way back to the way it was, it's it's not the worst thing. Totally. Like you know, can I hug you? Rather yeah. than just going in and fucking a huge bear hug where you're lifting them up off the off the ground and the person's like internally screening, you know, just just you know, I'm not asking to like not hug people that people can't hug. Me. That's not what it's just like, you know. Can I hug you? That's it. That's all. You know, a, a middle ground. That's all I'm looking yeah. at. Yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting about like the physical touch thing. Like one thing that I do hope comes out of this as well is that like I think now we know how integral physical touch and intimacy and contact with people is to our mental health. Like we've all Mm -hmm. been through it. So I feel like I I hope that for people that that is a norm, like pre and post COVID, there will be less stigma for those people that, for instance, like hire sex workers, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Because like, you know, you know how fucking desperate you were to 
hug someone, mm-hmm. fuck someone, like whatever it is. So don't judge because that is a lot of people's reality where they just don't have access to partners or time or energy or they live alone somewhere in buttfuck nowhere, like, (laughs) you know, like all of these things. So it's like, well, maybe now I like this is all very optimistic, obviously, but but, you know, maybe now people that you've experienced it firsthand. So how can you judge then going forward? Yeah. And, you know, I I think it's. I think that's a hopeful view, but I actually think it's a pretty realistic view because when I when I moved to Calgary and I had to, you know, I was around like very conservative um, people and I really got an understanding of how that viewpoint can grow. And it's not the only reason why the viewpoint grows, but one thing I found is a lot of it was because it's so much easier to make laws or to or to judge people when you haven't had that experience. Like exactly. there's just so much wealth and money that you could build a bubble. So like when you think about homeless people, like you there's no personal connection or anything. So the laws are just so much harsher because they just can't imagine what that person's going through other than, oh, they're too lazy to work, which is like a totally ridiculous uh-huh. yeah. thing because they have no other frame of reference. But obviously, you know, I like with um, with other cities I, I've lived in, you know, there's more empathy for people, you know, who who don't have shelter because, you know, there's probably somebody in your family who's gone through it or like it's not just it's not so far away from you that you can't have empathy. So I do think what you're saying with um, with COVID will probably come true because, you know, once people go through that experience, it's hard for them not to have their eyes open. I think it's sad that people can only empathize if they've gone through it themselves. But I, I do think quite a few people are that way. They can't actually see it unless it has affected them yeah i agree yeah and and both the opinion that it is sad but that it is also very true yeah yeah it's really crazy isn't it just crazy in general just to think that like non-sex workers are making legislature for sex workers on the behalf of sex workers same thing with Mm -hmm. like homeless people with marginalized people with gay trans everything like Mm -hmm. that people who are not in those communities are making the rules for those communities it's wild yeah, it's I don't know, like like you know, and obviously with like um, with uh, with um, with uh, female um, reproductive organs. Exactly. I'm probably not even saying that right, but it's like you know, like when <laughs> when we when we see the um, when we see the uh, like abortion you know, laws and like yeah, yeah. In, in in the southern U.S. and you see a photo of like you know thirty old white guys. There you and go. Deciding. That women yeah. can't abort, yeah, or people with uteruses, pardon me, can't abort. Like, it's it's yeah. mind blowing. Yeah, so much more work to do. Really, I think. Yeah, I think that's also a thing we've learned this past year. Just <laughs> what a shit! What a fucking like the planet is on fire. Like in every <laughs> in every little way, in all the ways. Like, yeah, it's 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 big. It'll it's been a year (laughs) it's been a year year. it's been a year yeah let's end on a positive note what do you love about sex vong oh i oh my goodness i love (laughs) this is really 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 (laughs) annoying but i (laughs) i do i i do love the benefit that it makes me fall asleep (laughs) (laughs) no that's fair that's totally valid 
it's very predictable and it's just a nice release. And for me, it's like the sex, cuddling, and sleeping is like a whole package together. And <laughs> if, uh, you know, even like, you know, I can still fall asleep <laughs> if I just masturbate, but I fall asleep more and more restful when it's when it sex. sex. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and there's another person involved. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and I'll even I'll even be more specific, like if if I'm bottoming versus topping, mm-hmm. like, you know, or obviously there's other things outside of like bottoming or topping, but you know, um when I bottom specifically, like like girl, I get knocked out. Like yeah, yeah. you know <laughs> I'm out for is, the count. Yeah, yeah. It is the best sleep. <laughs> like I can't even <laughs> You know, like the masturbating's cool and everything, uh, topping or you know, you know, blowjobs, other things. That's cool, but yep. when I bottom, it's like I am knocked the f out. <laughs> Pound me into a good night's sleep, yeah, into a restful <laughs> evening. Yes, please. That's some dirty talk right there. Yeah, some pillow talk, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> make me sleep daddy <laughs> i mean there's something to that i like being tucked in um that's mm. kind of a sexy kind of a like cgl slant mm. on like on like a tuck in it's like i need to fuck you to put you to bed now okay let's get ready <laughs> anyways i'm a kinky piece of shit though okay um can you tell the people Vong, where yeah. they can find and follow your new sonar network podcast and anywhere else you would like people to um like give you money support you follow you and all that good shit oh sure so my um sonar network um podcast you can go to uh the sonarnetwork.com and it'll be listed there as rice asian movie podcast on all my social media i'm at vong show which is spelled like gong show but with, but with a v mm-hmm. so that's across everything instagram twitter youtube it's all the same handle um everywhere and you know also semi-related to the rice podcast but not entirely is um i'm launching a series called fresh rice which is like new asian comedians um Mm -hmm. just in time for asian heritage month um because i thought you know i've got a pretty big platform so i wanted to help elevate new asian voices because with everything going on in the world right now with asians i feel like the best way to combat it or one of the ways or at least the way i can help combat you know the intolerance and ignorance toward Asians is to share more stories. So maybe then we can be more humanized. So it's like eight episodes of new Asian voices and you can find that on my YouTube starting in May. Yes, amazing. For me, everybody, you know it. I'm at the Lady Pim one on Twitter, at the Lady Pim on Instagram, at the Bedpost Podcast on Instagram. We have a Patreon. Give me your money, honey, and I'll give you hot, sexy, fetish content at the Bed. <laughs> like kind of. There's also a solo podcast um, at the Bedpost Show on Patreon. Our YouTube page where I review uh, sex toys with comedians. That is the Bedpost Sex Show on YouTube. You can email me if you want to, um, you know, pitch a guest or pitch some topics or something for the podcast the bedpostpodcast at gmail.com or if it's something doming related pro kink related then you can email me at ladypim at protonmail.com lastly i always give a thank you to the lady who does the original music for my podcast it is stephanie copeland she can be found at stephcopelandmusic.com last but not least vong thank you so very much for this episode it's so delightful getting to know you and talking to you today 
Thank you. Thanks for having me on. My absolute pleasure. And thank you, everyone who's listening. We'll see you next time with another fun and sexy guest here on the Bedpost Podcast. Get fucked. Bye. This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network.